what it is how's it going everybody welcome to yet another episode of the first ones to die today we're going to be talking about judas and the black messiah no there's not a black you know jesus in real life but you know what we almost have one and today we're going to talk about him. we're going to talk about him we're going to talk about the whole movie talk about actors we're going to talk about i don't know more stuff we got a special guest today so stay tuned for the first ones to die you are now listening to Hello, everyone. Welcome to the First Ones to Die podcast. My name is Jonathan. I am here with three today amazing people. First, we have, you know, the the main crew, Jerome and Alex. How are you guys doing, Jerome? What's up? Uh, you know, dying. <laughs> no, I'm okay. I'm all right. Because <laughs> that uh, joke is great to make right now. Yeah. Uh, sorry, oh, I, I was like, I had something stuck in my throat. I couldn't. You were just like, you pointed to me first. It was like, how's it going? Like, ah, like it was oh, bad. okay. I thought you were referencing like the name of our podcast. You know, maybe Jerome's the know. first one to die today. He's the first one to die today. Alex, oh, how are you? <laughs> I am good. I have my coffee in my little new mug or cup with our logo. Nice. Yeah. It's a beautiful mug logo. You. If you do not, if you are listening to the audio version, you should uh, switch over to YouTube right now or continue listening to audio. Yeah, um, YouTube at the first mug. ones to die. Yes. Um, and before we get to our special guest today, um, before this, uh, we joined on and started recording, we had a, a small debate on who was bigger, Brandy or Keisha Cole. <laughs> Jerome <laughs> seems to be in the camp that Keisha Cole was bigger than Brandy. I don't know why, but uh, I'm just let saying. Us know your thoughts. Recently, no. Keisha Cole's had a versus. I haven't seen Brandy's versus yet. No, Where's I'm, Brandy's we're versus? We're talking about Keisha Cole now. We're talking about Keisha Cole and Brandy, and they were when they were. She was playing nothing but old hits. She ain't playing nothing new. (laughs) Keisha Cole. I mean, she does have a new album last year, but she ain't playing none of that. Keisha Cole. She ain't playing none of that. I can't believe you're still trying to defend yourself. Yes, we're just going to know this incorrect opinion. Y'all ain't going to disrespect Keisha Cole. She's been through a lot. We're not disrespecting you. You're disrespecting Brandy. Anyway. We're going to transition into our special guest. Uh, You have heard her before. Um, It is Jasmine Shiloh. Welcome back, Jasmine. Hi, thanks for having me again. Happy to be here. Yes, awesome. And you are here on a great episode because today we're going to be talking about Judas and the Black Messiah, the movie that was recently released in theaters and on HBO Max. Uh, It's directed by Shaka King, not to be confused with Shaka Khan. It stars (laughs) Daniel Kaluuya. <laughs> I every time I hear his name, I do think about Shaka Khan. Sounds like I mean, Shaka Khan. Okay, it's, totally it's fair there. because I thought I was the only one. So, no, no, yeah. it's <laughs> it is what it is with that name. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield, Dominique Fishback, and Jesse Plemons, among others, and uh, it tells the story of Fred Hampton, chairman of the Illinois Black Panther Party, and his fateful betrayal by FBI informant William O'Neill. Uh, based on the true story, obviously. And uh, before we get into the nitty gritty of everything, 
it's a true story, so there really are no spoilers. But for the people who don't want to be spoiled about the movie itself, we're going to be going into our general thoughts first. And then later on in the show, we're going to be diving deeper. And we'll give you a warning before we do. So uh, today, I think I'll go to Alex for her thoughts first. Uh, I love the movie. I thought it was really good, really well made. Uh, this movie I actually connected with, unlike our last one. Uh, it was interesting to see because I, I've known a lot about the Black Panthers, uh, but I knew more about them, uh, the groups that are in like San Francisco and California and New York's. I knew very little about the ones that were actually stationed in Chicago, which is interesting because I have said many times that's where I'm from. Sadly, I know more about the Rhyme than the activism in Chicago, which I find I should, you know, learn more about, which is makes me very proud. Um, so it was a great movie to see, and knowing that was, you know, happening in Chicago, that there was a group there that was trying to, you know, make changes was just something I grew proud of when I was watching the movie. The more I watched it, and you know, the betrayal part really hit me because I just was like, how how dare you, sir? How dare you take, try to take down a leader who's trying to help, you, you know, you as well. And you just turn your back on him constantly. So I think the movie hit me in a powerful way, too. Yeah. Our special guest, Jasmine, what did you think about the story or the movie? I really liked it. Um, I would like to watch it again. I don't usually watch movies like that over again. Um I think, I mean, they just like hit really, really hard, you know, seeing that stuff. And it's, I like, I always think of Selma, like, I think I've only seen Selma once. So those movies, I think are so important, but it's hard to rewatch them. But I definitely, it hit me in the feels for sure. It was, it was good. Yeah. How about you, Jerome? Um, I liked it. I really liked it. I think this is an amazing film. Um, I uh, think it's directed very well, uh, acted very well. Um, I think, though, uh, the other thing that really makes this movie like transcendent for me is that it's very rare that we get to see the black, pan like the next generation of the civil rights movement after um, people like MLK and Malcolm X. In fact, we just had one night in Miami. Um, which I just watched as well, which is funny because I watched One Night in Miami like earlier this week. And then Friday I was like, uh, I'm going to watch Judas and the Black Messiah. So it feels like a great double feature. So if you want to have a great double feature night that's like Black History Month or, uh, in honor of Black History Month, One Night in Miami, Judas and the Black Messiah, if you can do it. Um, but nonetheless, like it's very – I haven't – I can't think of too many movies that are about like that next era after those – those men were gone and like what the black uh, community was doing in the meantime. Uh, and so it was really cool and refreshing to see that part of um, the black activism that happened during that time period and leading into the seventies and stuff like that. Um, also this movie made me angry, made me so angry, <laughs> not because it was bad, just 
because of William O'Neill's story. And I already knew how it ended without even really knowing. Because I've never, I never knew William O'Neill. I had heard some stuff from Fred Hampton. I had never knew who William O'Neill was until this movie. And so the ending of his story, like in real life, I was like, I know exactly what he's going to do. And it pissed me off. Um, but <laughs> other than that, though, great film. Fantastic movie. Uh, I know Daniel Kaluuya is going to get nominated. I hope Dominique Fishback also is nominated. Um, and a big shout out to Algie Smith. Uh, I see you from Euphoria jumping into this movie. Good for you, brother. Hope to see you do more stuff. I knew you were going to mention Euphoria. Jonathan, that's the thing that connects me and you together. All right. We always will root for our Euphoria <laughs> Euphoria people. What about you, Jonathan? Have the What do you think of the initial of, initially of the movie? I second everyone's sentiments. I didn't know much about, I didn't know anything really about the story going into it. I just knew that, you know, it was based on one of the chapters of the Black Panther Party and it took me a second to really understand what was happening um, in the movie. But that ending was, it, it just took me back. And I feel like it, it it completed the movie for me. And I just had to look more into um, some of the intricate intricacies of the true story because so i was just really fascinated i even though you know at, at at the end screen credits they tell you exactly what happened um in the years after where the movie ends um i just wanted to know more about it so i researched a little bit and it's fascinating and i want to watch some of the other uh film projects and interviews and everything that are attached to this movie so i i i very much enjoyed it and uh, performances were astounding. Um, Daniel Kaluuya, like the fact that he is able to, you know, embody that character in that way, with that accent, with that way of uh, of speaking, I was just really impressed by it all. So I second everyone's everyone's praise for this movie <laughs> and i think it will be you know an awards um hopefully nominee and yeah hopefully mm -hmm. all is right if all is right in the world which it isn't but <laughs> oh no we might have another spike lee situation where the movie's too black to be nominated mm -hmm. i remember black klansman it was the same thing where everyone thought black Klansman was going to be nominated and it didn't get i don't i think it got nominated for some stuff in other, but I don't think it got nominated for any of the Oscar stuff. But that same year, Green Book did, which was like the more lighthearted black and black history movie. It's, it's it wasn't had as the in your white face. savior premise, though. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's, that's what I'm saying. Of, yeah, you know, black mm -hmm. movies I've seen get it, which is as long as they have the white savior in there, doing at least something. Um, mm -hmm. But I guess it's the time for spoilers. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it. Or pick up a history. Well, not a history book. This wouldn't be in history books. Well, there was. I did find because uh, Jonathan, uh, to to your point of finding out more information, uh, I uh, immediately after this movie, I wanted to know more about the real story. And uh, there's a movie on Amazon Prime called The Assassination of Fred Hampton. Uh, you do have, you to, have rent to rent it. it. It's not free uh, with the Prime subscription, but it's like two two three bucks to rent it um, and it's really just like it's not a, a standard documentary where there's like interviews it's just footage 
it's just footage of Fred Hampton's speeches and some behind the scenes stuff of what he was doing um, during the time. Uh, so, you know, if you want to know who Fred Hampton is and get to know him as the person, I, I highly advise watching that documentary where you kind of get to see um, him just before his his uh, final days. Yeah, I so in the, the small amount of research that I did between watching the movie and, and doing the podcast, because I watched it just a mere few hours ago, um, I looked up the the some of the facts on the IMD. It's I'm the IMDB page, so you you don't know if they're one hundred percent true, but take these as they are IMDB facts. Um, but in real life, Fred Hampton was actually only twenty one, mm. and uh, O'Neill was only seventeen. And that's crazy to think about that. The fact that they were so young in the movie, they apparently aged them up. So we're not supposed to believe that, you know, Fred Hampton, Fred Hampton or Daniel Kaluuya as Fred Hampton is 21. He's supposed to be 31 in the movie. But but uh, the fact that they were so young when all of this occurred was just insane to me. I thought about that when he gets I don't remember the number, but when he first gets sentenced to prison, and like, what is, didn't they say like two to? Yeah, two to I'm five. Actually, I'm gonna, yeah, like that's a long time, and I mean that still happens today, but that's a long time to process for someone whose brain it hasn't even fully developed yet. For real, for real. Like at that age, that's so. And again, like we still do that today, which is unbelievable. But I just can't even imagine what was going through his head at the time or like his loved ones, you know, his partner being he, pregnant and stuff. Yeah. He was very focused. Um, just watching the documentary alone to see him as a, there's one part where these people come, uh, came to ask, to talk to him about um, black Panthers, like the black Panthers helping to establish a bank. And he was, uh, they brought a proposal, but his big thing was, well, there's no mention of like expansion of this education program, and, he, and they were like, well, we don't really need that. Like the bank is, the bank it'll be the bank, and he's like, yeah, but without the education of how a bank runs, of what they need to do to like properly be in a bank, and you know, like as far as like what proper processes a bank can do, what loans maybe they should go for, all of these things. It doesn't matter if they're a bank; you're just gonna end up being like any other bank, just taking money from poor people to make yourselves rich and it's like it's really interesting to know that like at 21 years old he has that concept of the world of that you know especially his community that education is power money isn't power having a gun or blowing up buildings isn't power knowledge is power mm -hmm. and that's a hard concept for people who are our age to even grasp <laughs> that concept and to see like someone so young be so influential especially because hearing him speak like the person as opposed to like in the movie the speeches are grand and big but in the re in reality fred hampton you could see like the uh rawness in him that he's like he's trying to be like great speakers that he looks up to and so he flubs his lines sometimes but it's his passion that gets through and so he just keeps going forward and people still listen to him and listen to what he has to say. And I think that's really cool. No, yeah, I think that's yeah. great. And a lot of times when you do see activists, they have a charismatic personality to, to them that you see can definitely either 
has just personally been with them and they've gone to speak. So when you know somebody who doesn't have that charismatic, you know, style, still trying so hard to show like, hey, I'm still a strong person. Sometimes I may not know like how to just stand in front of speak, but I know what to do. I know how to act and I have the knowledge to continue forward is really something truly powerful because you always see these people who stand in front and you're like, oh, they're the strong ones. The ones not speaking, they're kind of forgotten. But then here's this man who's trying to do just as much as the others, but he's really doing more behind the scenes. And you don't think about that because you're always so focused on somebody who's giving the speech, but he's done so much for his community. And that's why I was actually disappointed that I never knew who Fred Hampton was. Growing up in Chicago, I learned much about Italian culture. I learned much about the Irish culture, the Polish and the Mexican culture. Those were the big influences in my life. I knew very little about the black culture that was in Chicago, sadly. Um, Like I said, I did not know there was even a Black Panthers group there growing up. And I wish that was something I was taught at school when I was over there, that these people were, were doing so much for the Illinois chapter in Chicago because the school system there is awful in general, you know, and then also growing up, you know, not being black. Um, when you hear about the Black Panthers, you only hear about the bad stuff too. They make it seem like it's a scary thing. But growing up, as I learned more, I was like, no, they were just an activist group. Of course, there were some that, you know, did it more with force just like in every activist group there was more who wanted to do speaking and there was more who wanted to do more by education you know teaching people and making sure there was security and safety they felt safe which is a lack i think a lot of people of color in general feel in america still now you know and so i wish growing up i had been able to see that and i'm really kind of grateful for this movie to show a more delicate side of Black Panther, showing how he wanted to work on the education system, showing how he was, you know, doing all this stuff to make the city better because he knew the power lied in the education and them, you know, not having the guns or stuff like that, but more so growing as people. Because a lot of times, sadly, people don't see people of color as humans in a weird, in a, in an awful way, not a weird way. It's an awful way. So making them, having them develop in their own person and becoming comfortable in their own skin, it takes away that false animalistic style that people put on people of color. And I thought that was real powerful. And I think, although it's a black focus, I think this is a great movie for any person of color to see. It shows a power and a positivity that can be when you just stand for what you believe, no matter what, and how you can take that to new levels, not by forcing people, but by being like, hey, we need to talk about this and like, we need to learn more and be better than what we have been treated as, which is something, again, I feel is a very powerful message. And I wish Fred Hampton had been more in my education growing up and people like him so yeah and you mentioned how like a lot of the things um that you had grown up seeing people talk about was um that like the black panther party was like quote unquote um uh bad and i think that's something that you know jesse plemons uh character roy mitchell 
um, he kept he kept emphasizing in the movie, um, you know, the Black Panthers are just like the KKK. They're, that they're they're the they're the same exact thing. Um, first of all, <laughs> let's talk about the fact that uh, the the two groups are could not be like morally and and fighting for um, opposing things. Um, they couldn't be fighting for opposing things any further. Um, and to go off your point of like um, the inclusivity. Uh, and everything. Uh, I really appreciated the fact that even though it wasn't a, a major part of the movie, um, they did acknowledge the fact that there were also the, um, I don't know what, what they were called, but uh, the, the Latino Panthers, is that what they were called? Instead of the, the like they were. I, like, I forget what they were. Anyway, the Latinos who were also fighting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they, they made sure to acknowledge uh, the fact that there were also there were like a whole bunch of black and brown people who were fighting, you know. This well, that fight. was Fred Hampton's big thing was unity. He was like he was always about like uh, even said some of his speeches like people think black pan the Black Panthers don't want white people to be a part of our community or whatever. He's like, nah, I'm here for all people, power to all people for all of us to come together. It's just. It's just, you know, he also wasn't well, blind to the reality where, that that's, that's hard to do. <laughs> that's where people were trying to make that horrible comparison between the Black Panthers and the KKK. Of course, the KKK only wants white people. It's all about, you know, the false white power. And the Black, the Black Panthers were just like, no, we want unity. We want everybody to be together. We want to fight against the police brutality. We want to fight against this. It wasn't really... Although, it was, you know, the Black Panthers... From my point of view, at least, um, I did see it as, no, we want to make the community stronger. Because even though there is a separation, which, again, I grew I grew up with, there was a separation between cultures. But at the same time, we all kind of supported each other. I grew up in a mainly Polish neighborhood, and it never looked different to me. It was, this is my neighborhood, these are my people. That was it. And I think a lot of times people misunderstand that when somebody says like black panther or something like that it's just like oh it must be only for black people no not at all it's something that they want to focus on yes which there's nothing wrong with that there should be sometimes a need of focus because you can't just go for the big picture you have to start with something small you have to you know have a goal and show that hey look the goal worked hey we were able to get there through this pattern let's now try to branch off let's try to grow more you know and i think just that's a lot of where misinterpretation misinterpretation came from the black panther party like i said growing up it was always viewed as an evil thing they were viewed as crazy activists you know a threat but in reality not true at all and it, it's disappointing that i had to grow up with that you know not with that idea in my head I wish it was absolutely different. And this movie definitely showed that point of view, which I, again, really loved. I don't think that it's like a misinterpretation as much as it was like deliberate propaganda, though. Like misinterpretation yeah. to me is like, this was presented and like people took it the wrong way. But like, that's not what was happening really at all. It was like the, like, the Black Panthers had to be shown as like this violent, like comparing it to the KKK. Like they had to be, shown as this like very violent group because then other people wouldn't want to band with them 
like when I was watching the movie and he Fred Hampton goes into I think it's they're the young patriots I think is what they were called mm-hmm. um like that white group yeah um and it reminded me of that Malcolm X quote where he's like we're not outnumbered we're out organized in that like mm-hmm. we as people a big part of like keeping us separated by race is so that we don't all gather together to like fight against this capitalist society which is really what he says he's like we're not trying to make black capitalists like we're trying to like break down capitalism but we can't focus on that if we're only trying to like make black billionaires you know then like we sort of lose sight of what we're looking at Mm -hmm. so I think I mean I think he was like I don't want to say ahead of his time because there were like there were lots of people who were saying this stuff at that time it just feels almost discouraging that I feel like a lot of the rhetoric and a lot of the narratives that have been put forth in the past few years you know starting with like Occupy Wall Street um, Black Lives Matter just like the growing wealth inequality is they were saying all of that stuff back then mm-hmm. and we're just really just repeating it because I'm not going to say that like nothing's changed, but like nothing's changed. Really? No, you're absolutely right. It was, it was propaganda, not a misinterpretation. Um, No. And I, I completely get what you're saying. Um, Growing up, you know, I, I grew up very poor in a household where I had to live with like 14 people. And sometimes I wouldn't eat breakfast because I wasn't up fast enough. I was a little thing and breakfast would be done and I couldn't eat that day. So, like, I get, I th- I understand his narrative where he's, like, it's not necessarily that you want to, you know, make one race higher than the other, but it starts with your neighborhood. But the problem is with a lot of the separations of neighborhoods. You know, it's such a focus on let's fix just, you know, starting here. But, of course, you know, like in Chicago, like I said, we were so separated, too. We were all next to each other, but we were still separated. You didn't go to one neighborhood because that was, you know, the Polish neighborhood. You didn't go to the Italian neighborhood during certain hours and times, which is, you know, really horrible. It was a separation of, you know, cultures and races and things like that. And one of the things that kept us all that way was because of the poverty, too. You ended up being like, well, I have to protect my own in a in a way above all and that is a mindset that does get dangerous sometimes because it's not you don't need to just protect yourself but you need to work with others as well to create a safer community and I'm not so like I'm not from Chicago obviously I'm from this area but my understanding of like neighborhoods in New York and Chicago places like that because you're taught like Polish and Italian people like those people are still white So like that to me seems less like we're separating ourselves by race and more like we're separating ourselves by like people who speak our same language. Yeah. Right. Well, that's why I said like culture and race. Yeah. Because you are right. Yeah, they are white, but white people often don't view them as white, which is I find always odd. There are. I mean, yeah. There's like historical reasons for that as well. That is. I will. Yeah, I'm like a to go because I think which is fun. This is my last point on Fred Hampton because I Hampton because I wanted to also talk about Lakeith Stanfield a little too. 
But um, mm-hmm. one of the major things is uh, there's a soundtrack to this movie as music inspired. Uh, they wanted to get a lot of Chicago artists um, to be on it, which they did. And uh, I haven't listened to it yet. I've only heard one song, which is the song they put at the end credits. Uh, with, uh, yeah, that by her. song? That was amazing. I had to Shazam. That. <laughs> uh, but one of, one of the people in particular, they asked to be on it, and she uh, denied it, was uh, No Name. Formerly No Name Gypsy. Okay, yeah. Uh, they asked No Name to be on it, which she said that she was like, I didn't want to be on it, cause, and her opinion was is that it doesn't, her and it's her criticism is that you know she saw the movie and she liked it. She was like, "It's got great acting. It's got um, a great message, but it's not enough about Fred Hampton. This is a movie about an FBI agent." And so I wanted to ask you guys, what do you think? Because that is true. Like Fred Hampton, even though he's a, a magnet to your eyes and your your senses when he's on screen, most of this movie really is about Lakeith Stanfield. So what did you guys mm. think about character thing yes. Bill um, yes, Bill O'Neill. Yes. Thank you. One of if if you would have asked me who was the main character of this film, I would have said that it was William O'Neill. Um, and I thought, first of all, Lakeith Stanfield did an amazing job in the role. You could really feel how guilty he felt about what he was doing in his performance. Um, But also to your point about, you know, people maybe um, having a problem with the fact that it it is centered around him um, and not Fred uh, Hampton. Um, uh, There is a, I I was reading before this, that there, the, the, the trial of the Chicago seven, I haven't seen it yet. Um, apparently it is, uh, um, yes, heartbreaking and, uh, the character of William O'Neill, the person is is more of a side or background character. I'm thinking that maybe the movie wanted to portray more of his point of view, just to see that dichotomy of him having to, you know, live in this world and, operate as a double agent against this person who was so beloved um in his and did so much for his community i think that that and on screen that dichotomy worked really well for me um so i i had no no issue really with it um and i guess that i could add another question onto it which would be what do you guys think we shouldn't like feel about um, William O'Neill because he, he was a rat essentially. <laughs> um, but if you think about his origin, he started out as, you know, in real life, a kid 17 or, le- or uh, however old he was um, stealing cars and, uh, doing all this, and essentially the only way he could get out of it was to be a double agent or to 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 be in um, what's the word to 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 work for the FBI to be an um, informant. So, what do you guys think about that as well? To add to Jerome's question, I definitely see No Name's point. 
Um, I guess I went into the movie not thinking it was just about Fred Hampton or that it was like a Fred Hampton movie because the title is literally about two people. Like Judas and the Black Messiah like refers to two different characters. So I don't think I really went into it thinking that it was a Fred Hampton movie. I thought it was going to be about like the betrayal. And I think that anytime we bring up like the FBI's Quintel Pro, like thing is just like so important that we're even acknowledging that because if you like even try to research that like so much of just the FBI's record keeping has been shady forever so like there's not a lot of info and a lot of people don't even like still to this day don't know about those programs or that program so I think that anytime we like talk about it and talk about how like they like murdered our like they murdered black people is this, yeah. like basically what happened they assassinated yeah. black people um and tried to you know paint them as like people who were a lot scarier when like those groups were feeding kids like come on let's yeah. get it together and like defending themselves on like in a country that we were forcibly like brought to or our ancestors they talked about were forcibly it brought during to. the 13th with like angela they talked about that with the angela davis situation yes exactly yeah, exactly. So I, on that front, I actually don't have an issue with it. I think that it was fine. Um, as far as your question, Jonathan, I feel like I'd have to think about it more because it really is like, they definitely took advantage of him. Like, I wish it's so easy, you know, like, 60 years later to be like well this is what I would have done but like I don't know what I would have done had I been in his position like you saw how conflicted he was when they asked him to um you know do the blueprint of the apartment and I mean he like died by suicide essentially so like he felt really really guilty about it and it is really really hard I mean I can't say that I like know how he felt at all or like yeah it's a really difficult situation especially given that like how scary that time would have been like being black and I think like the part that really stands out to me is I think the the parts where they're talking about um it was like what in in New Haven I think it was that they Mm -hmm. found out that someone was like an informant and like talked about what they did to him and you can just see how he's like terrified and the part where he's in the car after they go to meet with the crowns I think it was yeah um and they like one of the guys is like that's the guy who stole so-and-so's car um and then that girl that woman and that guy in the car like challenge him and they're like what are they talking about a badge and you can, I mean, his performance was incredible because as the audience knowing exactly what's going on, we can tell that he's lying and he like did it well enough that like, you can tell how hard he's trying to convince these people that he's not lying and you almost believe it. But like with the audience knowing that, oh, he's lying, is he going to be able to get out of it? It was just so, so good. I thought his performance was great. Mm-hmm. Really. Yeah informant that's the word yeah i said that early but i don't think um for me i didn't really know too much about the you know the people in the film but i did know it was going to be about like two people like jasmine said with the name 
I knew some big betrayal was coming because you don't use the name Judas unless uh, somebody's really getting screwed over. Um, so I didn't really know what I was, you know, walking into when I was watching this film, which I think helped me not think about it being a Fred Hampton movie or, you know, a Bill O'Neill movie. It was just something I was kind of watching about how these two people revolved around each other, not knowing too much the truth about each other. But, you know, still one going to betray, even though he's all the good. Um, as for how I felt about Bill O'Neill's character or person, like I said, growing up the way I did, and in the family I had, unfortunately, I did have the mindset of, in the end, you have to survive. Doesn't matter who's hurt. It doesn't matter who, you know, is walking with you. In the end, you need to get home alive. And to this day, sometimes I still hold that mindset. It's like, I don't care. I will end up, it's for me and I need to survive. And I try not to have that mindset anymore. I don't want to have that mindset anymore. That it's just me and my survival. Because I feel like maybe that was good at that time. But now it feels like, well... No, now I feel like so many people have done so much for me and helping me grow and helping me become the person. I should not want to just think about my survival. I should care and want their survival, want them to go. So I kind of em uh, em emphasize, not emphasize. Empathize. Empathize, thank Empath you. So I see you have a problem with that word. With him a little bit because... I literally had a family member tell me once, you know, when it comes down to you and another person, throw them under the bus. Just throw them under the bus. It doesn't matter who it is. doesn't matter what. Throw them under the bus and come home. That's it. That's your, you know, your job in life. That's your goal. Just get back home. Which is such a dangerous mindset. And it's such a conflicting one because of the people you grow close with. You don't want to do that to them, but because you're taught this way, you're kind of in a force to do. And, but seeing that and seeing how it played out and everything, I got angry at him because like, how dare he do it? How dare he do this to this? Yeah. That was my, good man, my yeah, assessment helping. too. Yeah. yeah. So like seeing that and knowing the mindset I grew up with. I kind of got a little angry with myself a little bit because I was like, I know I haven't betrayed anybody that big, but I've definitely stepped back when I could have helped somebody else because of what, how I grew up. And so it was like, kind of like, well, thank God I never got into bigger trouble because honestly, I don't know what I would do in a bigger trouble. I don't know if my upbringing would have caused me to become something like him where I turn my back on good people or if I would, you know, just go to jail or something like that. Luckily, I've never been in that place. I hope to never be in that place. So it was kind of like a personal hit when I saw his character. So it was kind of this weird, like, I, I get you. I don't want to get you. And I'm pissed at you. <laughs> that was like the emotions that were feeling like, I don't want to understand why you did what you did. But I understand well. And now knowing, I did not know he was 17 years old. Now knowing that he was 17 years old, it hits even like a bigger spot with me because I'm like, oh crap, I remember being that age. I would have definitely 
probably turned on the people I knew, sadly. And I've known family members who have turned on our other family members. So there wasn't that unity we even had, which is very sad. I have a good unity now with my sister and my mother. I'd help them bury a body. They helped me bury a body. So Jerome was disturbed by that in the last podcast. Would, theoretically, you, you're... Sure, sure, theoretically, sure, sure. It, 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 sounded a li- it sounded a little bit like I helped them bury a body. <laughs> it did, it so sounded like a question. It did sound a little bit. <laughs> no bodies have been buried. The, the Zoom audio is... is Nobody has killed anybody, no bodies <laughs> have been buried. I have not dug any holes, nor has my sister or my mother. But we would, if necessary. So, no, yeah, I, think, I had... Like, yeah, I think his age is relevant, for oh, sure. Oh, definitely. Like, I it's definitely... It plays a bigger be... part. Because yeah, if like you it's... just think about being in high school, I mean, we would have, we all just wanted to hide away. And I don't know about your guys' uh, high school, but I was in a predominantly white high school. And sometimes it was like, I don't want to be seen because I don't know how these stu- other students are going to treat me. Because they definitely did see my color sometimes. They would make rapid judgments. Of like, oh, you are from Mexico. Oh, you do speak Spanish. I'm like, no. No, I'm not. So coming in that, I'm like, I don't know how they're going to be. And I just want to be invisible for a bit. So being 17 and knowing that now, it's like, he's just a kid, man. I almost I wish they had hired, they had gotten actors that were closer to the ages of when this happened because i think it would have brought some relevancy to uh this piece that granted you know as is it's still a great movie well acted well directed everything but the added aspect of why you know of how desperate bill o'neill was at that time of how radical fred hampton was at that time being so young it it impacts that because they're both so young at the time of them accomplishing so many of these things. Um, of a, like, and like, cause I was angry at Will O'Neill's story of hearing that he killed himself because I felt like on one hand, I did watch an interview with Keith Stanfield where a person asked him, the interviewer asked him uh, how he felt about playing Bill O'Neill. And he said he had to like take therapy after doing that role. Cause he just, got so into it and and dealing with the stress of playing that character and thinking about all the things that Bill O'Neill did in his life. Because he still worked for the FBI after mm-hmm. the assassination of Fred Hampton. Well, of he never stopped. let him go. Yeah, he never stopped being an informant for certain things. And all of that weight, you know, just compounded on him till he, till he killed himself. And I, I was angry about that because I was like, I really wanted that story to be, the ending of that story to be that William O'Neill finally had his freedom and did did the right thing in the end mm. as opposed to he did all this stuff because he, he he kind of was trapped and his only his only out was to kill himself so that's and that's a you know a shame in and of itself but um that being said i think lakeith stanfield does an amazing job playing the character i think he sells the desperate um uh, the desperate nature of this character of this person uh, but also sells like his um transformation as he goes from being like this like dude who's just like i don't really care about anything i'm just trying to you know boost cars and live life to a guy who like actually becomes a black panther 
and like he's like a part of the mission he's part of the movement and if it wasn't for the fact that he has to keep doing these things for the fbi he probably would just stick with the panthers and be like a legit black panther yeah. See, that's what i think is really like going back to your question that you posed jonathan like that's what i thought was really interesting because the like the part where he is again like i've never been faced with like going to prison so i can't imagine how terrified he was but like lots of panthers went to prison and like to this day lots of people go to prison because like they're so committed to the cause that I did, I mean, I knew how it ended, of course, but I do think it's interesting that he didn't pick that choice in some ways. Like he was really, really young and everything. Um, but if he was starting to be influenced by the Panthers and like, I'm thinking of the point where he's like at the phone booth and he's mm -hmm. talking to him and he was like, you know, like, um, he's talking to the FBI guy and he's like, ba I mean, the, he's basically saying like, no, you're in this for like a few more years. You know, it was, Oh, it was right after he, right after that, like shootout. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And he's like, he's mm -hmm. like, I want out. Like I was almost killed. Like Fred Hampton's in jail. Like what more do you want from me? And he's like, no, you're in this for a few more years. I think it was interesting that his, option wouldn't have been like okay well then like i'm just gonna go to prison right, then, right rather than do this because like i think that would have been again this is so easy to say because like we've never been in this position but like that would have been the noble thing to do and like the right thing to do rather than like serve as an informant for this group that was like trying to like liberate black people um and you wonder if it would. And you been wonder if it would have been the easy as well. thing to do as well. Yeah, honestly, yeah, especially. Yeah, because. Yeah, because oh, go ahead. Go ahead. go ahead. go ahead. I'm just thinking, like, by that point, he didn't know that, like, they wanted to kill him, Fred mm -hmm. Hampton. Mm -hmm. But like, I did again. Like, I already knew the story. But like, I think if I hadn't known the story, and he had been faced with like, here, like, we want you to do the blueprint. Like, I feel like for some people that would have been the point where they were like, oh, okay, so I'll, I'll go to prison now, actually, right. yeah. rather right. than do this. <laughs> I think you know, like, I'd like to like, think that that's, like, what most people would choose, I'd like to I, think. I but. think it's also he didn't know that even after Fred Hampton, he would still be forced to work with the FBI for so long. That to so you think end, that maybe he thought, like, that would be it? Like once Yeah, that he'd be Hampton, free, he'd, he'd be able to live his life. They gave him money, they gave him a gas station, right? Yeah. They gave him some type of business. He probably thought, hey, I can now just go live my life. But they still kept him, you know, you know, chained to them. And I think had he known that, it, I like I, like you say, it's something you can speculate now, but you don't know in that moment that suicide would not have been his answer in the end. Because mm. he felt trapped. He felt cornered. He felt, you know... Who knows what he really felt in the end. Um, so had he maybe just made the decision to go to prison. Could have ended up weirdly saving his life in the end. But you're right. It's easier, to, it's easier to speculate than, you know, what 
Because, yeah, we've never been, I've never been in that situation. As far as I know, you guys have not been in that situation. I don't know your, I don't know Jonathan's whole history. Maybe there's I know, a reason unless someone a, needs to yeah. start. Jonathan, start you seem to be quite, history right you now. seem to be quite, <laughs> quite quiet during this. You wonder if, well, I was. <laughs> I mean, okay, he is an actor. We don't know what he, yeah, <laughs> who he really is. Is your name even Jonathan? For all whoever the, you are, I know it's I know it's easy to I know it's easy to speculate, but I'll just debunk the rumors right now. I I have no uh, uh, affiliation with any of Step these. Step one: things. start a podcast. But, Step um, two: take over the you world. Wonder, <laughs> <laughs> um, you wonder if if maybe he was thinking in his mind, or maybe the the FBI was hinting at him that. You know, if if you go to prison and then you get out, these people will know what you've done and you're going to face even more hell Which, than you would have if you just have worked for us. And we'll keep your secret safe, you know, if you just continue to work for us, then you can yeah. retire easily. But mm-hmm. if you go to prison, it's going to be a lot more difficult. Which goes you. back to the whole uh, thing Jasmine said about propaganda. They made, you know, the Black Panther seem more scary and more like... Well, the thing is, mimicking though, them to the KKK, where it's just the you Black know, Panthers either serve them or death. They would now. That true. granted, that is one thing that is like, and this isn't a Black Panther thing. This is a Black Gangs thing. Even to this day, that you betray a Black Gang, they will have your ass. Like that's, that's any not gang. that's any gang. Yeah, that's true. Any that's gang. any gang. Like they don't the, that now. That was one thing they will. They don't put up with people that are I, snitches. Or I would have or, believed that you know. the FBI would have killed him before because the FBI, especially under J. Edgar Hoover. Had funsies killing black people. That's true. J. Edgar Hoover was a straight up bastard. I almost feel like it would have been easier for them, though, especially after because they the FBI guys talked about the killing in like the killing of the other informant. Mm -hmm. So I almost feel like that would have been easier for them to just get. Um, release him into whatever ba- yeah basically like that I actually that makes a lot of sense that they might have used that against him yeah like oh no like if you don't do this for us like we're gonna let them know and that's even scarier than prison mm-hmm. uh one thing before because I uh we're, get, we're coming up on an hour so before we uh uh you know I want to make sure we spend some time to talk about some of the other characters too like Dominique Fishback, Alger yes. Smith. I was uh, about to mention her actors, her... especially Dominique Fishback. She holds mm-hmm. her own. Dan Kaluuya is an acting powerhouse in this movie. And Dominique Fishback's like, I, you ain't the only actor in this movie, though. Let me show you what you <laughs> can do real quick. And she just. She, yeah. she, she brought she the heart. It, she man. brought the heart. Jerome Jerome likes to talk about the heart and the soul <laughs> and the brain. She, Dominique, Dominique Fishback, she brought the. When she, she says the, that poem. Like, first of all, I got chills because it reminded me of her role in Power with Jamie Foxx, where she's a rapper. Project yeah, Power. Project Power. And I'm like, there there she goes spitting bars again. I don't think Dominique Fishback at this point will ever do a movie where she's not spitting some poetry or some bars now forever. Uh, even though Chica wrote all of her lines for her. Um, still, I, I like I think she's got talent in, in, in to be a rapper one day. Uh, but... Uh, that poem she wrote, she uh, read in this movie was really powerful moment. I think that's if she does get nominated, they're gonna play that as their ro- as their real <laughs> for like nominating Dominique Fishback. Am I a bad mother? You know that's gonna that's gonna play. Um, but I think she did an amazing job. 
she's incredible. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad to see her in more stuff. I can't wait to see what she goes on to do after this. Um, and I think she does a great job of playing a, a decent duality where you see her go from being this woman who's a part of the movement to this mother who's still part of the movement but now has a different perspective on it, has a different, different mm-hmm. outlook on it because now it's it's not, yeah, like, gun-ho, let's go fight the pigs. Like Now it's like, well, now I got a son. I, I can't, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, if fighting the pigs head-on at least is the right way to go. Maybe there's another way we can do it. Maybe there's another way we can still live by the mission without risking black lives, especially black men at that. I think it was like a big step into like kind of a representation of actually like becoming a queen and a ruler. Yeah, she went from like gung ho to like, well, let's all like take a look at other routes now. And it was that really, it, it had that, to me, it had, had this like weird, like almost queen feel to it. Like, let's take a different path now. And now here's the next generation we must focus on. This is the era that, you know, we need to make sure gets put on the right path. So they don't have as many as many casualties as us, and they don't see us as this violent group just out to kill cops. Yeah, so it was it, it gave me a very sense of like a royalty move where it was just like you grew as you grew, and now you're like going from like a knight and fighting to like a more higher position where you're like, all right, now we got to figure out new stuff now. No more blood in battle. We need to make sure everybody's life is safe. Right. Um, I didn't. I've never seen her in another movie or that I know of. So this was my first introduction to her, and yeah, I really. She was such a great actress. She was very powerful right. in 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 pretty much all her scenes. She was very powerful. I didn't have that much connection with the poem, but I'm emotionally constipated, so that might be why. <laughs> like I know who I am. This is. This is this is the third movie that I've seen her in, and she's really like on the rise. I saw her in, like Jerome mentioned, Project Power, and she was also in The Hate You Give, and uh, she and in both of those, yeah, she played. Who was she uh, in The Hate You Give? She played. Uh, Hold on, I'm looking at it. Star, the main character, her her good friend at the party, before um, Algie Smith, who was also in. Oh, he's. A, I forgot he was in that shot. movie. Hold on, I'm looking it up, Jess. <laughs> Wait, she played She played who? Wait, what? Wait, who did she play? She played Kenya. Okay, I, I just looked it up now on IMDb. Kenya in The Hate You Give. She was only in it for Jasmine like just a, a few minutes. <laughs> Jasmine's so shook she left the Hang tongue. on, I'm looking it up. She's looking it uh, <laughs> up. Because those are like completely different people yeah right right because in in the movies that i've seen her in before she's played like teenagers yeah and in this she one plays, she plays that's why it threw me off when i found that's out why, that she was playing yeah, this that's character why i'm getting thrown off right now i'm like <laughs> because that I, is I, not the same human okay i, I get it up, okay i got you I got and then you. i was like is it is that it said dominique fishback i'm like why does that name sound familiar and then i was like yo actress from project power i'm like that's the same little girl from Project Power, which she wasn't little in that movie. But it's just when I and that movie only got released like uh, well, eight actually, ago. I looked it up. I was like, well, how old is she? She's twenty nine. 
She just looks like she's like what? She's twenty nine years old. She just looks like she's like possibly seventeen, sixteen years old. Like she's she is and almost in her thirties. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't feel like in this movie she looked quite twenty nine. Like I didn't think that she looked that. No, I thought she was like maybe in her twenties, like, like, like early twenties. Like, yeah. I would 22. say early twenties. Yeah, like but 20. like now I'm thinking back to the hate you give and just like compared to like Amanda, I'm like, oh, she's like a baby, <laughs> right? <laughs> because like everyone in that movie, you just got a baby, a baby. We're like, yeah, got a baby face. That's all. Because Algie Smith is also like he's an adult, but he still looks like he's po- like 16 years old. And in it, mm-hmm. especially yeah, in this movie, kind of weird to me out when people like, have such strong baby faces like that. It's like, you're almost in your 30s, but you can pass as a 17-year-old at certain points. Heck, technically, like, as, as long as I keep the beard, people don't know I'm 17. <laughs> don't think I'm 17. But as soon as I shave all my facial hair off, you know, I got teachers walking up to me. You shouldn't you be in homeroom, young man? I'm 25. Leave me alone. <laughs> um, I guess we're, we're, we're kind of wrapping it up now. So I guess we can get to our final um, our rankings and our final, our final words about the movie. Uh, let's start with Jerome. What is your ranking and final thoughts? I, uh, my, my ranking for this is definitely an A plus. I definitely recommend this movie. Um, I think overall it is a great testament to Fred Hampton's legacy to show off him as both a leader, but also as the person behind the scenes, like who he was when he was in his most private moments too, and the things he stood for. Um, I think they definitely, you know, if the movie was focused on him, they would have dived deeper. But because the movie's also focused on Bill O'Neill, in fact, more so than Fred Hampton, I think it also does a great job of showing Bill O'Neill's, you know, um, feelings of being trapped and his reluctance to be the Judas that he, that, you know, he's titled for in this movie. Um, But he unfortunately had to be, um, in his own mind to just, just to survive, uh, to not spend the rest of his days in a jail cell. Um, I think overall, like it tells the story really well. Uh, Shaka King does an amazing job telling this story and giving it the proper weight and context, um, of showing everybody in a very complex way. I don't think very, I think the only people who are like completely one dimensional is probably the FBI um, not so much Roger Mitchell, but definitely like the behind the scenes people like Hoover and stuff. Uh, also, Mar- I, like the only person, the only person, if I have a criticism, is whoever did the makeup for Hoover. All right, Martin Sheen <laughs> with that makeup looks like a Batman villain. I was like, is the Penguin out here trying to get black people? <laughs> don't you have a don't you have Batman to fight or something? <laughs> hey, hey, don't insult the Penguin. He was all for the white and black. He looks terrible. <laughs> Very funny. Uh, yeah, he does. He looks terrible. He looks terrible. I was like, y'all should, you nah, y'all gotta run, run that back, and <laughs> put him back in the chair. <laughs> but other than that, though, it was a good movie. Um, definitely watch it if you get a chance uh, in theaters, and you can be safe about it. Um, because this is one of those. This is the first movie this year that I was like, man, I want to see this in theaters. Like, I, if theaters were open, I would go see this movie. <laughs> Um, do you really when you could just watch it with the click on? I'll tell you, like, listen, some movies, 
like I I believe this movie because it's it's a lower I'm sure it's a lower budget whatever. Like I would have appreciated to watch it. I would have willingly given this movie my money like to support, support it. I don't know and, and give it, mm-hmm. it its due. It deserves to be seen on the big film. But if you can't watch it on HBO Max while it's still there, um, and enjoy and have a good time and watch this double feature. If this movie pisses you off, watch One Night in Miami. It'll cheer you right back up. Great double feature. All right, I'm done. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jasmine, what were your thoughts on this movie? And if then, do you have a grade? We we usually do our grading system, but um, you don't have to give a grade if you don't. I would definitely give it an A. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think it's a great. I think it was very well done, and the performances were fantastic. Um, I would say I think it's a good. In- intro especially if you don't know a lot about the civil rights movement post um post malcolm x post dr king i think it was it's a very good intro into um cointel pro and just fred hampton and all and the black panthers in general i think a lot of people still to this day don't quite know much about the black panthers like i think that there was a bit of a spike (laughs) when Beyonce did her Super Bowl, <laughs> you know, her yeah. for, when she introduced formation. Um, right. And there was like a bit there, but I think a lot of people still don't know like the details and it did well, a very good and, job into introducing that. I was going to say that in accidental Google searches when Black Panther came out, where it's like, this is the Black, the yes, Black Panther I want to know. Sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. They probably got to some websites and they're like, oh, I learned history. What is this political party stuff? I want to know about the Chadwick Boseman, that guy. <laughs> which, which, which Ryan Coogler was involved. Yeah, in he did. Oh, yeah. He did help produce this movie. Yes, that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was very. Um, <laughs> I'm just very happy that it wasn't. It didn't go in like the white savior direction. Absolutely. I don't know how it would have. They would have had to really try. Well, they would have <laughs> if they turned Roger Mitchell into a guy who's like, you know what? No. Bill, you don't need to go back there, all right? They're trying to kill black people. I'm no longer yeah, going to be if they FBI like, agent. Yeah, if they, no yeah, I mean, if they, they could have like just a, Mitchell and his, oh, like, a white barkeeper <laughs> be like, hide in the back real quick. FBI is coming. That he, got, he probably would have gotten nominated. <laughs> he had three lines. He had three lines. Hide in the back. It's fine. Hide in the back. <laughs> Best supporting actor. <laughs> um, Alex, what do you think? And your grade. Um, I probably would give this movie a B. Um, just because with a lot of biopics, even though I don't know the history, I know there's probably historical inaccuracies, as there are with all movies like that. Just like with the age, I think it would have been way more powerful had I known the guy was 17 and 21. I think it would have been way more powerful and inspiring for younger people too, because they were able to see, hey, that I'm that age, I can do more. I I keep thinking I can't, but look, they did it. I can do it. You know, um, I would have liked to see a because we saw the handler, but I would have liked to see the more effects the FBI did have, especially Jagger Hoover. He was an evil man. He just wanted, uh, yeah. So. I would have liked to see a little bit of that and like the damage they had done already 
and why Fred Hampton was such a threat to them. Why instead of being like, oh, we with you know Malcolm X and MLK, why this one was the messiah to them? Why this one was felt like almost the biggest threat that they had to bring in somebody like a Judas to take him down and tear him down from the inside and you know all this to why yeah just like why this one was so much more important than the others why he was considered the messiah and what they had already done and the destruction and pain they have caused throughout multiple communities i did think it was very interesting i got to learn so much more um even about my own city which i think is wonderful i enjoyed that the black panthers did meet with you know the latin community which was a nice showing of because there is this horrible narrative as well that Latin people and black people don't get along. They hate each other, which is often ridiculous, but it is a popular narrative that people think. And it was nice to see that unity in those communities and be like, yeah, we have a lot of differences, but in the end, we just all want to be at peace in our homes. We don't have to want to worry about, you know, going out. You know, growing up, I was told, always come, you know, comply with the cops. My mom literally told me once, I'd rather pick you up in jail than have to pick you up, than have to see you at the morgue, which is not something you should tell a child. You shouldn't have to say that to them, you know? So seeing that, that they were joining together was a nice kind of visual for me to see that like, yeah, I, we could have all just protected each other in the end. It was a unity moment. Um, but mainly it was just the reason I just marked it down is because I don't think they're showing the darkness enough of what was really going on. They did focus a lot on Bill O'Neill, which I think was important and kind of his struggle, but they didn't show why it was so hard for him to come to this decision uh, because we were able to speculate but maybe because we didn't see how big of a threat the FBI was probably to him. The threats they made, the damage they've already done. They still downplayed what J. Edgar Hoover did in those times. He, you know, he was going after such a large community completely out of fear and prejudice. And I think had we known the darkness that they were try that they were doing, the true evil, we could have seen why Bill O'Neill was really so scared in the end to continue. I think that we could have seen why Fred Hampton was really considered a messiah other than just helping the community, why he was a threat to them. And I think that left out a big part of the story in the end. So if that's you... why I'm like a B. It's a great movie and I think people need to see it. It's a it's an interesting story that I wish would be taught in schools. To take away that propaganda that the Black Panthers are, you know, this radical hate group. I say, that, unfortunately, I was taught as well growing up. Yeah. So that is all. That's all fair and valid. I'd say if yeah. you want to know more, watch the Thirteenth. They get they get into it. Um, about why the FBI was after so many different Black leaders during that time period um yeah. outside of just like black panthers just people in general angela davis bobby seal um mega evans yeah. like all types of people well i know how much uh damage they were doing when it came to like 
MLK and, you know, Malcolm X, but sadly that is a lot of where my knowledge ends. And yeah, I probably will learn a little bit more and get more information about it because I think Mm -hmm. that's just a good thing to do. Because I speak a lot about the whitewashing of history and not listening to sometimes what the history teachers tell you. There's always more to the story. And then there's these moments where I'm like, no, I, I don't know enough about, you know, other cultures, other races in this country. And, you know, I should get more informative because in the end, we all just want to feel safe walking down the street. Mm-hmm. We don't want to live in fear. And going, seeing those two things right next to each other with being directly Bill O'Neill being stuck and trapped with the FBI to just Fred Hampton both had that general fear but were in such different places in their life but it was still the same fear I just want to be able to see tomorrow so what about you Jonathan um what you were just saying about wanting to learn more about this I I definitely after watching this movie want to research and learn more about this whole story. Uh, William O'Neill's story was really interesting to me in the sense that um, the guilt that he felt, and I felt like, like I said earlier, that was that was very well portrayed by Lakeith Stanfield. Uh, the fact that he committed suicide on the day that that documentary aired on PBS it's crazy um yeah i didn't to, know that until watching this movie actually yeah, i knew that he had movie. died by suicide but i did not know it was the same i day. assumed it watching just watching the movie i'm like i feel like the only way this ends is him committing suicide and so when i saw when i when i read out, that i gasped like audibly because yeah. it's just it, it puts it into it puts a little bit of his thought process into perspective Mm-hmm. Um, but to to my rating, I am going to. I was debating between a couple ratings, but I, I'll, I'll give it an A and probably about like a ninety four. That's right, y'all. If you listen to my uh, to our episode last week and my rating, I gave this movie the same as Malcolm and Marie. At me, at me. So uh, <laughs> we will get at it after this podcast. I don't we'll go on at all. We will get we will get to that later, Jonathan. <laughs> tell us why. <laughs> so, I I really I really appreciated like we've all mentioned the fact that we're getting to learn about this story or learn further about this story. Some of the lines in particular, I wrote some of them down, really got me. Uh, I laughed a couple times. Uh, there was one line where Dominic Fishback. Uh, as Deborah Johnson, I believe her name was, yeah. uh, she said, uh, uh, well, uh, uh, Fred Hampton had asked her, how do you like your coffee? And she said, black and sweet. <laughs> and I laughed at that. Uh, I also <laughs> laughed. I also laughed when uh, when Will O'Neill said, let's blow up City Hall. And just the look on Fred Hampton, Daniel Kaluuya's face, he was just like disgusted. He was like, Brother, which it made me laugh because well. I was like, "Is that the way? That's like a reverse when Black when uh, Black Panther was like, you gonna betray me?'" <laughs> like, uh, what's I forgot his character Wakabi from freaking Black Panther when Daniel Kaluuya betrays Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and um, 
and, and some of the some of the words uh, I also wrote down were that were very poignant uh, to me uh, was when he was discussing him and uh, uh, Fred and Deborah were discussing. Sorry, I'm horrible with like names. I'm great with actor names, but horrible with like character names in movies. But uh, when they were discussing the 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 metaphor from the speech that they were referencing, and um, he was saying if if someone alerts you of a fire, you accuse them of starting the fire. And I just thought that was really poignant, especially today when people always say that oh the people who talk about race they're the problems. They're the ones who are are starting all yeah. the issues. When it's like no, it just because of the fact that people are talking about it, that doesn't mean that they're starting the issue. And I thought that was really poignant. Um, wow, that was also, powerful. Yes, it 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 it, it got to me. Um, and also the, the 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 point that made me really upset. Uh, uh, well, many points made me really upset, but one that really got me was uh, when the cops were outside of of the apartment and. Um, there's the one cop harassing everybody on the street, all the black people on the street. He's like, oh, hey, Harriet Tubman. Oh, never mind. It's Aunt Jemima. And then they are, get surprised when a shootout begins. And it's like, what do you expect to happen? Mm-hmm. What was the intended outcome? Uh, but overall, I thought this movie was was really effective. And I think it it brought to light a story that wasn't brought to light before necessarily for a lot of people um and i in in this day and age i think it's it's very necessary to tell this story and others that um are are maybe overlooked so yeah you made me think about um the other thing that was really powerful and i only bring it up because it feels so modern is the jake winters thing with algie smith where after he dies, Fred Hampton goes to his mom and his mom is like, make sure that people know that Jake Winters, like they call him a killer. And he did that, but that's not all he did. And it made me think about all of the many black people, black men and women who've been murdered by police brutality. And a lot of times, especially black men, they always want to reference, well, this person had a record. And therefore, mm-hmm. that justifies them being killed in this one. This is like, okay, maybe that is what they did, but that's not all they did. That's, mm-hmm. not, yeah. that's not who they were. That's what they did. That's not the mm-hmm. person. And so I, I yeah. that really hit me when she said that. It reminds me, so again, like at the end of the movie where they talk about how many shots were fired by the FBI and it was 99 and then I believe it was one, one right one. by the yeah. by the people and that everyone like the seven who survived um, were charged with like multiple things, including um, attempted murder. Right. Am I remembering that right? I don't want to yeah. like mess it up. No, you are. but they were charged basically bullshit charges is my point. Um, and how we still see that today in many different ways you know like times where like depending on the state depending on um you know your age your license like some some folks are allowed to carry guns but like that changes when it's a white person and a black person getting stopped in the car right it's like even if a black person is legally allowed to carry this gun legally allowed to have it in their car 
makes it known that they have a weapon on them and they get shot, all of a sudden the narrative is like, well, you shouldn't have had a gun. Yeah. But that's not how we feel about white people carrying guns to the Capitol last month. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was, I think that really, really hit me that like they got one and they had guns in the, in the place. They had and assault rifles. They, yeah. And they had people coming in, you know, I think a lot of people, and this is just terrifying to me, but a lot of people, and I think we all know who I'm talking about, get very trigger happy like you see a lot of this stuff online where it's like, well, I like, I almost hope that someone like breaks into my house so I can shoot them. Like not understanding like what that really even means to do that. And like wanting something to happen to be able to pull the trigger. But we all know that that's only for one group of people and it's not anyone on this call right now. Right. No, I absolutely agree. And that like really killed me because if someone had broken into my house and I didn't know who you were, and you fired 99 shots at me and I got arrested for firing one back, I would have an issue with that. And that's still something that we're dealing with today. Yeah. No, I've seen multiple videos on TikTok where these people, cause like I've gone to shooting ranges. I do own a gun and I keep it safely put away and everything like that. Um, but I've seen multiple videos of these, like, people practicing shooting where they literally have it right here and it's, like, close range. And it's, like, what are you exactly preparing for that you think you need to do this quick draw? What are you hoping for? Because I keep mine in a secure location because I hope I never have to draw it. I do keep a bat by my bed in case somebody breaks in because I want to mobilize them first. I never want to kill somebody. I never have a desire to draw out a gun. If I have find it necessary, I will. But never in my life have I ever thought, well, I have to be quick with it. Oh, well, I have to make sure I know the points that kill. Never in my life have I ever thought that if I'm like, if I use a gun, it's a warning shot. If I use a gun, it's going to be hit in a place where it takes them down, but it does not cause blood loss and it's not going to hurt them. I've learned points in the body where it's like, if you shoot here, this is one of the safest places because it's not near any major arteries or anything like that. So to see these people constantly, it it is scary because it's like, what are you trying to prep for? What are you trying to do? And you don't want to think about what they're thinking about in that moment because it's usually, yeah, for certain groups of people that they're trying to prepare for. And it's like, it's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, but in the well, end, I think this movie is really great. You know, for people, you know, for people of color in general to see, and for people like me who didn't know a lot of history with the Black Panthers, other than sadly the ugly side of it, um, it was a nice thing to see that, like, hey, this isn't the radical group I was taught to believe it was. This. There were people who were trying to make things better. There were people who were trying to work with the community. And I think this is a great movie that leads you to want to learn more. And I hope to learn more, too. I think it's a great way. It's a great. You're right. It's a great introduction. In fact, to, this reminds me of yeah. our Selena review where we, we talked about how the Selena show didn't really feel like it garnered you to want to know more about the Quintanillas. Um 
I feel like this they is are just awful people. I feel like this is the opposite. Like this one this makes you want to know more about yeah. Black Panther Party and everything. And it came out the right month. I want to talk about perfect timing. <laughs> came out in, <laughs> came, <laughs> came out in Black they History Month. Planned it that way. I'm sure right. they did. Yeah. did. <laughs> but it doesn't it still doesn't change the fact that like, you know, they couldn't plan for what 2020 would be. You know. That come the next nobody could plan with twenty. <laughs> yeah, but I'm you know like all the stuff with George Floyd and all the stuff with President Trump and all that stuff. Like this is a good movie to come out on former the next president. former President Trump. President former President Trump. Trump. Uh, this is like a good movie to come out with come for out the with. Uh, for the following the way Black History SNL movie. refers to him. Um, former social media influencer. <laughs> Not anymore. They they pretty much banned him, which I love. That's why it's Kevin Steen did a hilarious. I like the way about... SNL refers to it, but oh, no, but, yeah, like I think yeah. it's it's better that the movie came out this year, and it's also we're we're still all really stressed. This weird this year has a weird energy because we are still all high in anxiety with the pandemic and people and everything. But as John Mulaney would say, the horse is out of the hospital. He made a joke that, like, yeah, I didn't have to think about politics before because, you know, just like a hospital, now there's a horse in the hospital. I don't know how the horse got in the hospital. The horse doesn't belong in the hospital. And the horse is just in the hospital. Now the horse is out. And now I can focus on the other thing, horrible things. Because <laughs> now there's actual doctors in the hospital. So I think that's a great way to put it. I'm still stressed and I don't like hospitals, but... Well, a, a a great movie to come out on Black History Month. I was thinking that this movie was kind of like the opposite of of Black Klansman, where you yeah. have a, a, <laughs> someone infiltrating um, a a black man infiltrating the Black uh, Panther Party, the KKK. Yeah, and then th- this one, it, it, it's not exact opposites, but they. they I see. I see the comparison. I see where you're going. Yeah, they can they can be <laughs> compared. Um, with that being said, let's get ev- to everyone's socials. Um, where can we find <laughs> our guest Jasmine at? Um, I haven't been on oh, social yeah. media all year. <laughs> That's right. But I'm, I'm a little, I'm on a little detox. I think last time I did plug my socials. Yeah, I did, and was like, if y'all want to see where I drag people, which is Insta. And it's only ever bad people. It's not, I don't drag nice people. It's only ever like Donald Trump. So, um, but I haven't felt the need to as much because he's right, no the longer horse is out of the hospital. The horse is out of the hospital. So I haven't <laughs> felt the need to be glued to my phone waiting for like doomsday. Um, but Twitter and Insta, it's Jobs and Shiloh. If you want to follow me and maybe I'll start getting back on and not having to talk about politics all the time anymore <laughs> i know i posted something about plants the other day and i was so happy so really i got to post about plants again well where can we find those posts about plants, <laughs> alex well on my new instagram name alex and nobody because <laughs> i was bored <laughs> at work and i changed my name but i'm mainly on the instagram but i also take care of the tiktok account for the first ones to die podcast so you can also look me up there because that's the main one I do, and I play around with it a lot because I just do. And Jerome, how about you? You can find me at not Jerome Red on Instagram. Uh, recently, I've been posting drawings I do at work, so you can see my terrible drawings. <laughs> They're not actually that bad. 
Um, but uh, yeah, you can see, uh, I guess, some of my artwork and stuff. And then also uh, going to start putting up some stuff on RoboZoo Media, so you can follow me there. That's uh, where you can find out more about all my other artistic ventures as I go on throughout this year, cooking up some stuff, uh, some music stuff, and trying to get a TV show off the ground. Who knows if that'll happen this year, but it will happen if I have something Manifest to say about it. Manifest it. Manifest it. Gotta keep going. Gotta keep trying. That's all you can do. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, exactly. You know, so one day we'll have news on this podcast of a TV show that I've made. But until then, uh, keep po- updated. Keep posted on RoboZoo Media. That's where I'm going to be posting any updates on anything I'm working on. So Nice. You can find me at Jonathan Keys, Insta, Twitter, whatever. Uh, you can also follow our podcast at The First Ones to Die anywhere that social media is available. I guess it feels like it. Pretty and much. Google and Gmail. Um, That's what I meant to say. And Gmail. Oh, and we're all, I'm well. My sister, who I'm giving a shout out to, is starting to help build a website for The First Ones to Die podcast, where we will hopefully eventually start selling merch, collecting all our social media, so it's a one stop shop. And hopefully also representing all the stuff we are doing outside the podcast, too, which is would be nice to see all the work we do. Exactly. I second that, what Alex said. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and like give us five stars, I guess. Um, You can give us a like, you can give us a subscribe, a follow. There's so many like terms for just like liking something so it's it's really confusing when you're trying to get that those things you don't know what to ask for do whatever but, social um, media platform version of like is that you yes. are on at this time and listening to exactly a YouTube comment always a comment always helps you never know yeah tell us what you um, thought that about Jesus said, black messiah if you have seen it yeah and if you haven't seen it well, watch it and then comment and say what you like. Or if you have a movie that is in relation to this or anything we've said here, comment below. Let us know. We'd like to see what you thought. Yeah. Um, and with that being said, we'll see you next week. What's our topic next week? You know, honestly, I don't know. Because <laughs> nothing's call. on the schedule. <laughs> it's to be so determined. It's, it's it will be a surprise. But we, but we know... We know one thing. We'll be here. I'm gonna next make Jerome Monday. and Jonathan compete each other for something. I don't know what. <laughs> Let's do that. Okay, we'll be here next week, Monday at 8 a.m. So keep your eyes open for that. With that being said, we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> all together. <laughs>